Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians descend against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined of course by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. And today we are discussing uh, a topic, since it is Discussion Topic Friday after all. So, the discussion topic we hope to tackle well and effectively today is the modern church. Why doing nothing is actually more difficult on leadership. Why doing nothing is actually more difficult on the leadership. So lots to discuss here. We're going to be discussing what it looks like for modern churches to do nothing, what that actually means. We're going to talk about why this can look easier on the outset, like why people might delude themselves into thinking it's easier to do nothing. And then also why it's actually much harder on church leadership for them to act this way and and do these things. They're shooting themselves in the foot, even though they think it's easier and they've deluded themselves into thinking so. So lots to discuss here. And I hope that this ties into some very practical things that we see going on today. As we've discussed a lot in the past, some of the main issues with uh, our culture today is not politics. It's not uh, a lack of um, self-responsibility. It's the church. And all of those things are issues, lack of self-control, lack of self-responsibility, uh, lack of all of these things, politics going off, you know, in crazy directions, all these things happening, right? But they're not the main problem, they're symptoms. And we've addressed that hundreds of times in the past. And I could say that now, because this is episode 225. <laughs> um, and so, you know, what, what we've had a few, I think I can count maybe three episodes where we've specifically, specifically honed in on the issue of the church, like how to find a good church, uh, what some of the big issues with the modern day church are, what it means to be an evangelifish church, all those sorts of things. We've only maybe done what a good church should be. Yeah. What a good should church look yeah, like. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So, um, Actually, that's so that's not too many if we actually believe that that's the core issue. So I was like, hey, maybe it's time we have another one of those episodes and we specifically focus in on laziness in the church. Why doing nothing is actually more difficult on leadership. So that's the plan for today's discussion. But before we get into that, we have to do what we always do, which is talk about our verse of the week and our verse passage really this week is Psalm 2 uh, verses 1 through 4. This passage reads, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. So we've talked about this all week. We spent a whole theological wrap up on this passage alone on Monday. And uh, Jake broke this down really well and focused on the last bit of this on Wednesday. Sits in the heavens, laughs. The Lord holds them in derision, mocking their foolish schemes. Um, I want to take this whole passage in a larger, broader scope. So the nations rage. The people are plotting. We discussed that. The kings of the earth are all grouping together across the world. and They're taking counsel in secret, plotting to go against God. I mean, obviously, we see that occurring very overtly today. Um, And we see things like the United Nations come up. We see World Economic Forum. We see all of these things 
where the kings of the earth, the rulers are plotting together things that countries that would never ordinarily be united have united against one cause. And that's against Christians and against the king of the earth, um, whose name we bear. And so that's what they're doing. They want to oppress. They want to control. They want to take over every facet of your life. And with the ultimate goal of eradicating Christianity, which we know is impossible. That's why it's vain, right? They're plotting in vain. It's a foolish plan. It's a stupid plan. It won't work. They know that. We know that. God knows that. And yet they do it anyways. <laughs> they plot in vain. Uh, that's why God laughs. It's not because what they're doing is, um, is just something that's mockable. It's not just something that's just like, ha, that's a stupid plan. Like, sheesh, they didn't even try. No, they're trying. But it's all, in the end, in vain because they are trying to rip off the cords that bind them, the law of God, rip off the bonds of God's law, and they're forgetting or ignoring or suppressing in unrighteousness the truth of their king who actually rules over them. And no matter how much they want to deny that, that's a fact of reality. That's the truth. That's ultimate truth. Christ reigns. Christ is king. He's Lord over everything, whether they believe it or not. So, um, okay. That is going to play directly into our conversation today, discussing the modern church. Why doing nothing is actually more difficult on leadership. Before we get into this, um, Jake, did you have any quick 30 second thoughts just to kind of bring you into the conversation? I don't want to cut you out before, before we get started on some examples of this. I'm, I'm sure as we go, we're going to see like, we've been in a whole bunch of churches, right? And there have been a ton of examples of, you know, weak leadership or even leadership that claims to be doing something, but in effect, they're, they're doing nothing. Like, can you think of any like really quick examples that you might want to share i think well it's it's more of that we have an issue as a culture as a whole a church the church cultures and and what do what do pastors as a whole kind of do and that we have this and again i guess uh stigma or whatever it be that that they feel that they can only preach about the limited gospel and and that is um what plays into that is that they they feel like this is the only thing that they can do in that all they need to do and and this is this is kind of to some of the weaker baptist churches um that they just they go out right the the baptists are very effective about going out and evangelizing but they don't know how to disciple um, that they go out and they say, uh, God has a wonderful plan for your, for your life. Um, you know, you know, that God saved you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that is, that is what they, that is what they say. And that we have this, this just focusing on the limited gospel. I, I think that that's a part of this. Hopefully that answered well, not answering. Yeah, question, no, I think that's that's, a, that's definitely point. yeah, that's definitely one big phase, um, one part of of this whole equation that contributes to everything else, right? When you think that that's all you have to focus on as a church is uh, just a limited salvation message that doesn't affect the world, 
right? Um, John 3.17, which is what Steve Dace, you know, quotes at the end of every show, which I think is tremendous. So many times we can think that uh, that's simply cannon fodder for Arminians. It's simply, oh, God did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Simply is something that it was given to the Arminians to twist and take out of context and use against us as Calvinists. <laughs> when in reality, that should be our favorite verse as Calvinists, as post-millennialists, as theonomists, as people who seek to apply all of Christ to all of life. Because God, Christ came to save the world, the physical world, all of this world, this created world that was under the curse. He came not to condemn it, that the whole world through him might be saved. The whole, whole world, economics, art, mm -hmm. music, uh, software, cooking, all of it would be saved. And so the churches just think that that just applies to souls, individual souls, instead of everything. So, uh, okay. Yeah, that was great. Thank you, Jake. So um, I've got a three-part, kind of a three-part um, setup outline that I want to go through today. The, the first part, part A, I want to talk about what it looks like for modern churches to do nothing today. What does it mean for churches to do nothing? I mean, we could say that, but like, well, look at your church. Everyone look, can look at their church and be like, well, I, I don't know that they're doing nothing. I mean, they could do more, but I mean, they're not, they're not doing nothing, you know? So, so what do we mean? Everyone can justify their own churches. Here's a list that I put together that I think kind of outlines what it means for a church to do nothing. First, not speaking to practical matters. So speaking to things like we just said earlier, we we're just talking about that's, that's the limited gospel thing that Jake just brought up. They're not telling you and helping you live your life unto Christ in all that you mm -hmm. do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Whatever that, you do that, in word or yeah. deed, do it all in the name of of Christ, right? Go, go ahead, Jake. They're not teaching on the other other aspects, like how to do your job as unto the Lord, how to teach yeah. your children as unto the Lord, how to how to um, live in the home, how to be how to be a biblical wife as unto the yep. Lord. You know, all that, that all that in, type of stuff. Yeah. In New Testament terms, that's called preaching the whole counsel of God, right? That's called not just taking sections of the Bible that were familiar with or comfortable with, right? So many pastors and preachers are tremendously comfortable and familiar with the limited salvation theology, but they're not familiar with how that salvation theology transforms the rest of life. So, okay, not speaking to practical matters. Uh, next on the list, I have not being involved in the culture around them. So um, th this, is, this is fairly apparent especially today, all of the things that the civil government thinks are its responsibility, about half of them, maybe a quarter to half, are actually the church's responsibility. Taking care of the poor, uh, helping to fund education for parents, um, uh, making sure that the elderly are cared for. Now, that's the family, but if the family's unable to or unwilling to, um, there's, there's an issue there, but the church should be willing to step in and able to step in. That's why there's a type. Um, so the poor, all, all of these different things that the civil government thinks it should be doing, 
when in reality, most of that belongs to the church. So that's one facet of being involved in the culture around them, but also being aware of what's going on and preaching on what's going on topically, what's happening in our culture today, and how should we, as people who bear the name of Christ, respond to it? That's cultural involvement, and we just we don't have that today. Um, and then even so, being involved in the culture as to where most people would think of when they hear that, um, actually evangelizing the culture and going out and bringing people yeah. into the church, but not not just to bring them into the church, but to d- 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 disciple them while yep. they're in the yep. church. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so I'll just run through the next two really quickly because we are running out of time. But um, next is not preaching on anything controversial because, quote, you might lose members, right? Like, scared and jacob's talked about that in the past i wish we had more time to dig into it maybe you can bring that up um if we have time a little bit later to talk about the church as a business mm-hmm. structuring yes. it as a business instead of um mm-hmm. as a church yeah it's a tremendous analogy um so they do that because they don't want to lose members so hey preach what makes them happy which is the complete opposite job of the pastor um, and then finally, not pushing against the flow or ra- raising the bar musically is one example, right? It's easier just to do what's comfortable for everyone. So doing nothing means, okay, you know, people are used to listening to pop music or singing pop music, singing watered down lyrics with watered down chord progressions and, you know, simple stuff that takes no skill to do. But the Bible says to sing skillfully, to play skillfully. So when we do that, we're not only going against scripture, but we're denigrating and bowing to culture. We're saying, okay, you can set the standard culture. Okay. You with your uh, lack of skill musically, you get to set the tone for what we do in the church. It's a horrible, horrible place Mm -hmm. to be culturally uh, in the church. If we let the church, if we let the culture dictate what our music in the church looks like, it's a very scary place to be. It's funny because historically, right, some of the best singers, um, some of these pop singers, right, have come from backgrounds of singing in church choirs. They they have literally been a part of these types of like, um, well, they may not be Christians necessarily, but they, they at least had a an upbringing in the church. And then when they were old enough, they left, but they yeah. were involved in the music they and. But it's funny that it, historically it was when you were a part of the church, you became a better singer. You became better at, at music. And right. I, I think because the bar was higher. most definitely. Yeah, we're most definitely yep. losing that now. Yep. Uh, so, yep, absolutely. Yeah. So moving into section B, why this can look easier on the onset. Why doing these things, why watering down uh, what we preach how we get involved, our music, all of that, why watering that down can seem easier. Obviously, it's easier to sit back and do nothing, right? I mean, obviously, it looks to us, imagine your boss said, hey, you know, I I had a change of thought the other day. We want to pay you the same amount of money, if not more, um, to do like an eighth of what you're doing right now. I mean, lazy people are going to be like, oh my goodness, 
yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that sounds amazing. Like, let's do that. So obviously our human nature, fallen sinful human nature looks at that and says, oh, that sounds so much easier. I get paid the same amount of money. I get to do way, way less. And I might actually be getting paid more money because more people are going to want to come to the church because at least early on, because, you know, people are actually comfortable with what I'm saying, which means I'm not convicting them. I'm not having, I'm not pulling them out of their drunken stupor of, of worldliness. I'm not calling them to action. They get to just sit here, feel good about themselves and do nothing. And I get more people and they pay me money and this is great, right? So there's that. But then also that feeling, that motivation of laziness drove us to create theologies to make us feel better about doing things this way. Now, that may mm-hmm. not have been the conscious uh, uh, you know, reason why we did it. But under the surface, that theology is kind of a chicken and the egg situation, right? Did this theology create laziness or did laziness create these theologies? Well, yes. <laughs> it's kind of this circle roundabout way of looking at things, right? Um, so it's a vicious cycle. So some of these theologies are like, for instance, premillennialism. Certain flavors of premillennialism le- lend themselves very easily to this, everything we've just talked about. You, you don't need this cultural involvement if the whole thing is just going to burn up in the end anyways, right? You don't need to apply all of Christ to all of life if, hey, we're just waiting for the rapture. So you just better, you know, just do what you can in your own heart, your own soul, prep, be a prepper, live off the grid, do whatever, self-isolationism, because we're just getting raptured out of here, right? So there's that. But then also the there's this fallacy that's going around Uh, And it's kind of a cancer in the church. And it's this world is not our home fallacy, right? Oh, this, this world is not our home. So why would we work to uh, build things of permanence? Oh, this world is not our home. Like anytime someone's like, oh man, did you see what's going on in politics? I know it's getting so bad out there. Oh, did you see the economy? The dollar is getting devalued. The housing market's ridiculous. What's the common Christian answer? Well, Christian response is not our home. Exactly. Exactly. It's a cop-out. It's a weak-willed response that Mm -hmm. gets you, you can just sit and do nothing. Sit on your couch. This world's not our home, so why do anything? Netflix and chill. Exactly. Exactly. Which is horrible. It's a horrible place to be in. Um, And then then they'll use the whole, store up treasures in heaven. Which means we have no treasures on earth. Which means Mm -hmm. we have no say we don't care at all about what happens on this place that god created us to live in now yeah does that mean we think, treasure the things of this world more than we treasure christ our savior right heck no right that's called worldliness that's idolatry we don't love the things of this world more than we love god but we learn to use the things of this world in our love for god that's the relationship right sorry jake go ahead yeah, I think it's uh I think the best thing is just to ask the question to those people and say how do you store up treasures in heaven? And mm-hmm. and the obvious answer would be doing the things God wills you to do, doing the things God has has for you to do, doing his law. Um 
which involves making things look nice, making this world look nice. Yeah. You would have to at least you would have to get to that point at some point. Um, mm -hmm. It might start with, you know, be kind to your neighbor, um, you know, all these type of things, love your neighbor, you know, but it would it would have to get to at some point the fact that we need to be back to medieval Christianity and make things look nice, make things um, artful, uh, make things skillfully, do yeah. things skillfully. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's and that's where our, our motivation should be. Um, we're doing it not for ourselves, but for God. Right. Um, and then finally, the last fallacy is the Christ's kingdom is not of this world fallacy. I'm sure you've heard that one. Oh, you know, the kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven. We talked about this in a previous episode going through the book of Acts, right? Uh, it's just, it's just the kingdom of heaven or, oh, it's just the church. No, the kingdom of God is the whole world. <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Christ is king over every nook and cranny of this entire created universe. That's his kingdom. And we need to live like that. We need to act like that. Christ is Lord, not of just your heart, not of just a building that we call a church. Christ is Lord of the whole world. And we need to act like that. When we don't act like that, we are saying, no, God doesn't actually own the president of the United States or the United States itself and want that nation discipled. No, he just... He just wants to collect a few souls and maybe start a few Bible studies and maybe put up a church building here or there that looks All like a authority on we don't care about beauty. wasn't given unto Christ. Exactly. So. <laughs> right. Exactly. So anyways, that's why it can look easier. We've devised these theologies that we use as excuses um, so that uh, our hearts are not pricked because now we can even point to the Bible and say, see, even the Bible lets me be lazy. We don't say it like that, of course, but that's in effect what we're saying when we say these things. All right. Finally, let's move on to the final point, which is kind of the, the main thrust of this episode. Uh, why it's actually much harder on church leadership to do nothing. Why doing nothing this way that we just outlined, we've just discussed, why it's actually harder for church leadership in the long run. So A, it goes against the Bible's given duties for the church. Now, I mean, that should be obvious. We just, we just spent this whole episode discussing what the Bible says about how we should be interacting with the world, what the church should be doing in the world, um, how we should look at the world, um, and what should be preached. Like the whole counsel of God is applicable. It's everything that mm -hmm. we do throughout the day. So obviously doing nothing goes against the Bible's given duties for the church. Secondly, the church acting this way, doing nothing brings judgment on a nation. Now we've seen that in our day, especially right. A couple, maybe like a hundred years ago, this might've been a little harder to see because God blessed our nation. And so it looked uh, it, everything looked good. And so if a pastor, maybe one pastor or two pastors here or there spent their whole lives not doing, uh, preaching the whole counsel of God, 
if a pastor here or there took their congregation and made them weak-willed people who just did nothing and sat, you know, on their couches all day, that was okay for one or two churches back in the day. That didn't necessarily uh, bring doom and gloom on them. But now today, we are reaping the repercussions. We're in the middle of the um, the the you know, outworkings of that bad theology from a hundred years ago. And now it is pretty Mm -hmm. plain and obvious that the church doing what it's done, doing nothing has brought judgment on our nation. And here's the funny thing. um, They happen to live in that nation. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. how is it going to be harder on church leadership to do nothing? Well, they live in the nation that's going to be under judgment because of them doing nothing. So their, uh, their money is going to get stolen from them. Their money is going to get devalued, which is the same as theft. Their taxes are going to go up. They're not going to be able to find a new house or buy a new house or even sell their house. They're not going to be able to find good food. Their children are going to be forced to take experimental chemical jabs. They will be forced to wear face diapers for a whole year. All of that is because of their lack of a spine to preach the whole counsel of God. So church judgment or church acting this way brings judgment on a nation, which then hurts them. Um, next point is men in the church need a mission. Men in the church need a mission. If they aren't given one, they'll move to find a place where they can find one. Right. And their tithe goes with them. So that should be obvious. Right? The, the money that should wake up some church leadership, hopefully, unless they've so deluded themselves with their corrupt theology that they don't even want to change, right? That they can self-justify and be like, well, that's okay. You know, God said it would be hard. Like you're causing this. (laughs) Okay, fine. Um, (laughs) So men need a mission. If they aren't given one, they'll move to find a place where they can find one and their tithe goes with them. And if, if that wasn't bad enough, when real men leave a church, it begins to fall apart from the inside when all you're left with are sissies <laughs> for lack of a better term. When all you're left with are people who don't have a spine, who aren't strong-willed, who won't stand up, who won't be salt and light, even when it's hard because they need to be. That's what a real man is. When, when you don't have that, the culture falls apart, the church falls apart and everything gets way harder for everyone involved. So hopefully that's obvious. And then finally, doing nothing leads to atrophy, which leaves the church vulnerable when the world decides to attack. We've seen this throughout history. History is cyclical, right? We get these cycles where, oh, things are really good. It's great. Uh, the, The economy is flourishing. Society is flourishing. Things are going well. And then because of that, people get lazy right? People start to think, oh, this is how it's always going to be. And they just take it for granted. This is just how the world is, right? Like, I don't need to really keep pushing for uh, people to hold to the word of God nearly as strongly, or I I can give in just a little bit because, well, things are so nice. Like, I mean, this couldn't all go away, really. It It would take a lot of sin for this to go away. So it's okay for me to sin just a little bit, just a little pet sin. That's, that's it. Just indulge it once or twice or 10 or 200 times. And that leads to demise. 
That leads to what we're living in right now. We're not at the climax, not even close to the climax of how bad this is going to get if we don't act now. We are on a downward spiral or we're upwards in our sin levels, if you will, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Things are getting progressively worse right now in our country, specifically across the world at the moment, right? Because that's how the cycle goes. Now, what happens when that happens? God is judging a nation, but why does he judge a nation? Remember Job, when he has tried me, what? I will come, come forth. with his gold. Yeah, exactly. And so what happens after the judgment? What happens after the fiery crucible? Gold. We come forth as gold, which then starts to cycle again. But, but notice how these cycles are stretching out longer and longer and longer. And the upswings are getting infinitely better. I mean, no one could have imagined. I mean, thousands of years ago that a, a country as large as America was discipled for Christ for almost a century and a half. That was un that it's unthinkable. That's never been done before in human history for a country as large as ours to be discipled for Christ for about a century and a half. It, it was a miracle from God. That was the biggest upswing we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. The next that also means that this might be the biggest downswing we've ever seen. <laughs> but can you imagine what the upswing after this one's going to be? How many other countries as large yeah. as America are going to be discipled for Christ? So anyways, but during those downswings, the churches that have atrophied by doing nothing are vulnerable to the world. The world is looking for any excuse to attack. And the churches that have atrophied are vulnerable if they've been doing nothing. All right, so we're at 30 minutes. Jake, did you have any quick 30-second thoughts, one minute max, that you wanted to add before we wrap up? If this makes any sense, um, <clears throat> I just wanted to add on to the to the end a little bit uh, the fact of the gates of hell want to open. The gates of mm -hmm. hell want to open and release their, you know, their armies. But always before, Christians were bashing on them and they couldn't, they couldn't open them. Uh, yeah. For fear of the yeah. Christians coming in. So they had to keep them closed to, to protect them. But the gates of hell will not prevail if Christians are attacking it. However, we're pulling back our attack. We're retreating when mm -hmm. we're winning. Um, so it's a, it's a stupid retreat. Even though yeah. the gates of hell were not prevailing, we were tearing them down. So now the gates of hell can start to open. And when when you come back... And you start destroying your gates and your walls because you're like, <laughs> this world is not our home. Uh, treasures in heaven and all that. So we destroy our castles. We destroy our strongholds. <laughs> and so then right. when when the Insanity. enemies, when, when the gates of hell open and release all the mm -hmm. demons, we're vulnerable. We're just standing Amen. there yeah. in our pulpits. Yeah. With all of our, with all the Christians in the pews or not, because we've decided to give them over to the enemy. Um, we're, we're vulnerable. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that is the best analogy for this that I could have. I, yeah, I never would have thought of that. That's tremendous. Very cool. Thank you, Jake. Um, well, I hope this was an insightful episode to you all. Um, if you enjoyed this, please share it. 
Um, also, hey, we're both uh, sporting our merch here. So we've both got uh, TRD Show merch. That's right. We've got the uh, special edition Go There For and uh, Apply All of Scripture to All of Life t-shirt, which you can find on trdshow.net. Or if you just want to go out in style and just one of our regular old t-shirts, we've also got that as well. And Jake is sporting that there. Um, so trdshow.net is where you can uh, find all of our merch. We've got mugs. You see Jake drinking out of his mug all the time. I've got a mug here on the set. I have a box full of them and I should just get one. Yeah, there it is. It's nice. It's nice. And then we got stickers. I mean, oh yeah. You know, they're, they're great for your, you know, iPad cases. You know, put, put one on there and it's tremendous. So yeah, we got, we got all sorts of merch. So check that out. TRDshow.net and check out our merch store and uh, please share this episode with your friends. We really appreciate that. All right. Send us an email. TRDshow at protonmail.com. Um, we're looking forward to seeing you on Monday, where we once again... No, not Monday, because we're taking next week off. <laughs> I almost I almost messed that up. But anyways, we won't see you at all <laughs> next week for three whole episodes. Uh, we won't have episodes next week, but we're going to pick up the last week in August with our episodes. Um, I'm moving to Moscow, Idaho. Woo! Over this weekend. Super exciting. And I'm helping and, and Jake's helping me. He's flying out, so it's going to be a crazy week. Um so we just don't have time to put together those episodes. But uh, we'll be coming right at you on the last week of August from Moscow, Idaho. At least I will. And then hopefully Jake will be soon. So, um, But thank you all so, so much for watching or listening to us today. And uh, have a great rest of your weekend. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. 